Say, they told me you were stupid. You don't sound stupid to me. I can be smart when it's important, but most men don't like it, except Gus. He's always been interested in my brains. No, no, that much of a fool he's not. This famous scene from one of Marilyn Monroe's blockbuster hits, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which, hilarious movie by the way, seems to encapsulate her world perfectly. A smart woman portrayed as dumb by an industry she loved. It was just the way of her life. Throughout the entirety of her career, movie executives cast her as the sex bomb, the dumb blonde, the butt of every joke. Hell, one of her most famous scenes is one where her skirt blows up in the wind and she doesn't say a word. In reality, the young star was a trained actress who longed for more serious roles and fought her way through an industry that seemed hell-bent on exploiting every aspect of her life. For many, Marilyn was simply a vessel. She was a way to make money and not a real person with complex feelings and even a brain. You admit that all you're after is money. No, I don't. Aren't you funny? Don't you know that a man being rich is like a girl being pretty? You might not marry a girl just because she- Even after she fought for her right to make her own decisions and control her own career, people reacted by just asking her about her body. Marilyn, speaking of measurements, are they still the same as when you left? Have you gained weight? Have you lost weight? The exploitation of Marilyn Monroe started early with her unpaid cover on Playboy and only continued from there. Even after her death, people have used her life and her image as a cash prize. She was something to be exploited and sold to the highest bidder. That was all. Throughout the years, the image of Marilyn Monroe has been used repeatedly to sell everything and pretty much anything imaginable. And no one ever seems to blink an eye. She has been something people could own and men have even spent thousands, even millions of dollars just to be buried near her. It seems with every waking moment, the exploitation of this actress gets worse and with the new biopic Blonde, it's reached a breaking point. With all of her trauma on full display and an array of quite horrifying scenes, the movie is the epitome of what has gone wrong with the retelling of Marilyn's story. It's all trauma, no success. No one ever mentions her accomplishments, her power, or her fight. Instead, people use her as a way to send a message and as a cautionary tale. Unfortunately, this trend has continued for decades, and the more removed we are from the day she died, the worse it seems to get. So why does this continue? How has Marilyn Monroe become one of the most exploited celebrities in history, and will it ever stop? Will Marilyn Monroe finally have her day to rest in peace? Unfortunately, since you know I'm talking about it in a dark dive, the answer's probably not gonna be for a while. But hey, I'm Blair or the Illuminati, this is Dark Dives, you know what we're talking about today. And before we get into it, I'm just gonna let you know that I covered a really interesting topic over on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Illuminati. And in case you didn't know, starting at the corporate mortician level, you will get episodes every other week, bonus episodes of topics, every and anything is on the table. This past Saturday's episode is called Accidental Scary Design, The Uncanny Valley. And if you're interested about my little take on the uncanny valley or just learning more about it, make sure you head over to patreon.com slash Illuminati. And for any of the patrons who may not have listened to the episode yet, patreon.com slash Illuminati. I'm not just generally happy. Mother, it's me. It's me, Norma Jean. 
If I'm generally anything, I guess I'm generally miserable. <laughs> hey. Everything's all right. Mama Jean? What were you thinking of? Becoming one of the most famous women to ever walk the earth, Marilyn Monroe was just a young girl from Los Angeles called Norma Jean. Her young life was quite difficult as she bounced around foster homes and family members' homes, but movies became her saving grace. Later in life, she would tell interviewers that she was movie struck and spent hours upon hours in theaters watching her favorite stars. She was going to be one of them, she was determined. Then one day during World War II, a photographer found young Norma Jean in a factory and told her he was going to take her picture as a morale booster for the men at war. This became her big break. Soon, she dyed her hair blonde and went to work studying how she could be the best model there ever was. She spent hours in front of the mirror perfecting her new craft and was hell bent to leave the old life behind. After multiple deals with movie studios fell through, she decided to change everything about herself. And so Marilyn Monroe was born and Norma Jean died. But she would quickly find that her dream wasn't everything it seemed. A life of glamor and freedom was actually one full of exploitation and loneliness. And it didn't take long for the industry to take notice and go to work trying to make as much money off of the blonde bombshell as they could. In 1953, her famous cover of Playboy came out to the world. The pictures of Marilyn launched the brand that we know today and made Hugh Hefner a household name almost overnight. The only problem was that Marilyn had never consented to those photos being used. She'd never even heard of Playboy. Instead, the infamous magazine had stolen the photos from a photo shoot Marilyn had done back in 1949 out of a desperate need for money as she attempted to bankroll her dream. She needed a mere $50 to make a car payment and was promised that she would be unrecognizable in the photographs. Now, years later, Playboy had plastered them all over their magazine with her name in big, bold letters. She knew nothing, was paid nothing. And she wasn't allegedly even ever told thank you for the work of those photographs. Granted, she never consented to them. But Marilyn made a quick decision to turn the moment into an opportunity for free advertisement. She handled the situation with class and humor as she often did and responded to questions about the photographs by telling reporters she posed nude because quote, I was hungry. Unfortunately, this wouldn't be the first or the last time Marilyn was used for her star power. As her career began to blossom, she was trapped in a world of male executives who wielded unprecedented control over the stars in movies, especially the female stars. In 1953, she wrote an article for motion picture and television that brought to light the sexual harassment and control that was rampant in the world of Hollywood. She wrote, "'There are many types of wolves. Some are sinister. Others are just good time Charlies trying to get something for nothing, and others make a game of it.' Over the course of her career, she would run into many of these wolves. She reportedly faced years of sexual harassment and abuse in the industry, and her near constant portrayal as the dumb blonde in movies and in the eyes of her fans took a heavy toll on the young actress. She had studied for years in some of the best acting classes in the world. She wanted something more than the ditzy sex bomb characters she was often limited to. Yet when she pushed back, she was retaliated against and people called her a nightmare to work with. Studio executives pushed her into a box and despite her severe stage fright and constant criticism, they denounced her anxieties to her being difficult rather than someone pushed into a lifelong role who wanted to break free. After years of abuse and a constant stream of roles that she felt were beneath her, she tried to take a step away from the overzealous reach of greedy executives and created her own production company. 
With the thought that their famous cash cow was slipping away, Fox quickly retaliated, attempting to blackball her completely from the industry. This was finally her chance to prove that she wasn't the clueless person everyone had made her out to be. And after fighting, she successfully negotiated her contract with Fox to gain the creative control she desperately needed. Though her life was still not all that it seemed. The press was constantly teasing the dumb actress and her personal life was constantly hanging on by a thread. Her biggest fear was disappointing those she loved. And when she found a diary entry from her husband, Arthur Miller, saying that he was disappointed in her, her world came crashing down. But with a contract and so many people living off of her unprecedented success, she decided to push on, only to be again ripped apart by executives for her constant lateness on set. During her last movie, Something's Got to Give, she was unceremoniously fired. She would be found dead at 36 mere months later. And even in death, the press seemed to minimize her life. The New York Times wrote about her as a sex symbol and listed her husband's and their accomplishments before mentioning hers. Her fame was greater than her contributions as an actress. This is what was written about her. This was a woman who wrote constantly about wanting to be more and do more. And even after she was gone, the press only wrote of her fame. They didn't write about her commitment to reading, something she did so passionately that studio executives warned her to stop as to not tarnish her brand. And imagine that, being told to stop reading because it's gonna ruin your dumb blonde image. Now, these papers didn't write about her founding a sane nuclear policy organization, and they didn't write about her supporting the civil rights movement. Even in death, all they saw was fame. And when it was time for her funeral, her ex-husband Arthur Miller refused to show and claimed he couldn't watch the same people he felt had destroyed her grieve over her death. This was in 1962. And now over 50 years later, she is still trapped in an image that was carefully crafted to make the most money. She's still being used to this day. Atlantic City beauty pageant, Marilyn Monroe is mourned by the world particularly by a host of veterans of the Korean Unfortunately, War. when Marilyn Monroe passed away, the world was left with a massive hole, but they were also left with one key question. Where would her money go? Not only everything she made when she was alive, but everything she could make everyone else while she was dead. At first, her estate seemed to be handled with care. Part of her money went to her psychoanalyst, Marion Chris, who she had called helpful and sympathetic. When she passed away, that portion of Marilyn's estate went to Anna Freud Center in London, a facility that works with children suffering from mental health issues. Given what we know about Marilyn, her life, and the way she died, this was only fitting. People seemed to agree that this is what she would have wanted. As Sarah Churchwell, the author of the book, The Many Lives of Marilyn Monroe wrote, that would have made her really happy. She did want to do good, and she wanted to feel as if she had accomplished something. Maybe if that were the case, then it would have been better that all of her estates had been donated and she was never exploited again. But unfortunately, that's not what happened. The bulk of her estate was left to her beloved acting coach and his wife. But when they both passed away and it went to his second wife, Anna, who had never even met Marilyn, by the way, that's where everything took a turn for the worst. Anna hired CMG Worldwide to manage the new estate, and soon they were licensing Monroe products left and right, making money off her image any chance they got. When other companies began to take advantage of the late star's image, CMG decided to sue them, claiming that they owned her. Marilyn isn't the only one who is owned in death by someone other than family, and honestly, this whole practice of owning celebrities really freaks me out. 
Imagine if your loved one passed away and you had to see their face sold over and over again so some huge company could make money. How would that make you feel? But with Marilyn, the impact of her estate is even greater than many others because in 2012, a federal court decided that she belonged to everyone, meaning anyone could use her image to sell their product, make money and develop movies. Now her image is being used by nearly 100 different brands. And in 2020, Forbes rated her the 13th highest paid dead celebrity. Dolce & Gabbana have sold a t-shirt of her face for almost $300 and Dior used a lookalike version of her to sell perfume. Just last year, Andy Warhol's famous Marilyn Monroe painting sold for $195 million. Many claim that the famous actress has made more money in death than she did while she was alive. But to me, the way people write about how she is exploited in her death is insane. Multiple articles will say how much money she makes now, but Marilyn isn't making anything. She is dead. People are profiting off of her image, parts of her story and her items. They aren't giving her anything back in return and they aren't even reflecting her well. The very legacy she had hoped to cultivate, the very roles and images she had hoped to break free from are the ones she's trapped in even post-mortem. These companies seem to only focus on her sex symbol status and her looks. They still perpetuate her image as a dumb blonde when in reality, she was a civil rights supporter, a writer, a politically involved person and a damn good businesswoman. Most of the people who make money off her can't even put respect on her name that she deserves. And I think that's horrific. When she died, she had written in her will that she wanted her personal effects to go to her friends, but instead they have gone to make Anna Strasberg and a plethora of companies a fuck ton of money. Her favorite piano, which originally belonged to her mother was sold to Mariah Carey for over $600,000. Of course, we all know about the fate of her famous dress. Like in life, people use Marilyn more as a commodity to be sold to the highest bidder rather than a real person who actually walked this earth. Unfortunately, people seem to forget that she was a living, breathing person. And that becomes readily apparent when you see the complete lack of respect she has been given in the 50 years since she left this world. Situation. Yes, well, this is Marilyn Monroe's dress. And um, it's 60 years old. Kim Kardashian seemed to shock everyone when she arrived at the Met Gala in a dress that looked all too familiar with bleach blonde hair. Somehow she had gotten her hands on Marilyn Monroe's infamous happy birthday, Mr. Kennedy dress. The same one that sold in an auction for roughly $1 million in 1999, only to be sold for roughly 4.8 million 17 years later. Almost immediately, people reacted in fear and in a sense, disgust. This was one of the most famous articles of clothing in modern day history, and it had been made specifically for Marilyn. What if something happened to it? When Kim first asked to borrow the famous dress, she was told no, they wouldn't even let her try it on. But Kris Jenner being Kris Jenner, she somehow got Ripley's to agree to allow Kim to wear the incredibly valuable and fragile dress to a gala. Months later, pictures appeared that seemed to confirm everyone's worst fears. The dress looked severely damaged with crystals missing, seams pulled and puckering in the back. And it seemed clear that this was Kim's fault, though it might not have been. In 2017, a report written about the dress noted some of these very same details. So it may not have been that Kim ruined it, but if the dress was already falling apart, then this would have actually been even more of a reason to not let Kim wear the dress, even for a short amount of time. And in case you didn't know, Kim also had a replica dress made so that she wore the original dress on the carpet in front of all the photographers. And then when she went inside, there was a replica dress waiting for her. 
So there was nothing stopping her from just wearing the replica and embracing an homage to Marilyn, but for whatever reason, she had to wear the actual historical piece. But there was something else people were sure to point out. Respect. This was the same dress Marilyn wanted to be given to friends or family. She wouldn't have wanted some random reality star wearing it. She wouldn't have even wanted it to be sold, most likely. This was the same woman that already had been exploited so much in life and in death, and this just felt like another exploitative tactic. It was a publicity stunt, and it worked. But it was, of course, at the expense of Marilyn once again. As one Twitter user wrote, It's not about the actual dress. It's about the meaning. Marilyn was used all her life. She hardly had anything that was truly her own. This dress, it was hers. It was designed specifically and only for her. Now it's ruined. So often, she had been used as an object and treated like one. It makes it so much worse to learn that people are continuing this lasting pastime even after her death. Even her final resting place can't be left alone. Back in 1981, a man named Richard Poncher, who did not know her or literally anyone else associated with her, spent a epic shit ton of money to secure his burial site in the crypt right above Marilyn, facing down on top of her. He even allegedly told his wife, if you don't put me upside down over Marilyn, I'll haunt you for the rest of your life. And I can't even begin to describe how absolutely fucking creepy this is. Maybe if he was buried the normal way facing up, it wouldn't be quite as weird, but he was buried face down specifically so that he could be laying on top of her. This was a woman that was sexually abused multiple times in her life and a man spent money to be buried laying on top of her. The amount that this makes my skin fucking crawl is wild. His widow attempted to sell the crypt a few years ago to pay the mortgage on her house, but the highest bidder, which was apparently $4.6 million, allegedly fell through. I haven't been able to find out if there was any other deal made, but the fact remains that this is still super fucking creepy and outrageously disrespectful. And speaking of disrespect, let's talk about Hugh Hefner for a moment. You know, the same person who essentially built a massive empire off of Marilyn Monroe's pictures without asking her, paying her, or, uh, you know, meeting her. That That's a thing, you know? Didn't do that either, apparently, though. Yeah, he decided to do one more controversial thing involving Marilyn when he died, just for good measure. He reportedly paid roughly $75,000 to buy the spot right next to Marilyn, despite never meeting her. To him, it was merely a point of symbolism, and he told the Los Angeles Times, Spending eternity next to Marilyn is too sweet to pass up. Despite never meeting her, he claimed that they had a kinship. Why? Because his brother was in the same acting class and she had apparently agreed to do another cover with Playboy for their anniversary months before she died. That's it. There's something inherently gross to me about a man who used her being buried next to her for symbolic reasons. None of her friends are buried there, nor are her beloved acting coaches who she felt to be family just two creepy-ass men who seem to feel some sort of ownership over her. To me, it's the ultimate sign of disrespect, but at this point, it's almost expected. Of course, there is always more, and it always gets worse. Last year, a new Marilyn Monroe biopic was released that seemed to roll everything wrong with how we treat Marilyn as a society into one movie. The exploitation and the dehumanization was on full display. So let's talk about Blonde. And before we hop into Blonde, I do have to really quickly here put in today's sponsors. Unfortunately, YouTube demonetizes a fuckload of videos that I make. So at this point, YouTube's kind of back and forth. So I'm very grateful for sponsors when we have them. 
It allows me to pay my team and of course pay myself so that we can all, you know, live in this world, unfortunately. If you want to support us over on patreon.com slash Illuminati, maybe we'll get one step closer to not needing sponsors. But for the time being, here's today's sponsor. Power up for springtime with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Sometimes you're just a little too busy to cook, and I get it. And with Factor, you can skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, preparing, and cleanup too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Factor has delicious flavor-packed meals to help you live to the fullest. You can choose from keto, vegan and veggie, calorie smart, and even protein plus options. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. Now, the queso fundido has always been delightful, but as you guys know, my all-time favorite is of course the jalapeno popper burger. Absolutely delicious. Every time it shows up, I have to have it. So head on over to factormeals.com slash darkdives50 and use code darkdives50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code darkdives50 at factormeals.com slash darkdives50 and get 50% off your first box. Miss Monroe, it's time. Over the years, there has been an array of movies that have come out featuring actresses portraying the late, great Marilyn Monroe. So when the new movie Blonde was announced, everyone figured it would be more of the same, a modern day interpretation of the life of a star who was ripped away too soon. And in a sense, Blonde was just that, but it went a little further and a whole lot darker than many of the other movies before it. I can't face doing another scene with Marilyn Monroe. Based on a book of the same name, Blonde came out to an array of criticism almost immediately. Many accused the director, Andrew Dominic, of expanding on a long-standing legacy of exploiting the star. While the film was revered as a biopic of the young actress, it was based on a book that was described as radically distilled by the author. She used real facts and characters, but imagined a bunch of other things. So sure, some things were true, but others were entirely fiction but that's not so much the biopic classification that brought criticism. It was the horrific portrayal of Marilyn's life. As The Guardian pointed out, sexual experiences, mostly miserable ones, dominated Blonde. It's all right, Norma Jean. Marilyn suffers terrifying abuse in incredible detail throughout the entirety of her career within the film. Shortly into it, we see Marilyn get sexually assaulted by a studio executive with a camera zooming in on a tear streaming down her face. As she repeats a mantra, viewers are forced to watch an incredibly traumatic moment that some say may not have even happened. While the director claims that these horrifying scenes were meant to serve as a criticism of the ever-concerning pattern of sexual assault in Hollywood, the way it's portrayed doesn't seem to push that message. Instead, the whole movie feels like trauma porn that uses bits and pieces of the worst moments in Marilyn's life to push a narrative. As Refinery29 puts it, retelling this narrative of abuse does nothing to push the conversation about women's treatment forward. Instead, using these women's real trauma to manufacture a box office hit is just another way that they are being exploited. At no point in the movie does Marilyn, the real Marilyn, feel centered in the conversation. It's almost as if her trauma was a prop, Dominic fails to, as many have, touch on any other aspect of her life, such as her fight against segregation, starting her own production company, 
or many other of her successful moments of independence and drive. Somehow, these always seem to be missing from her story. People just seem to find them to be unimportant in the story they want to tell, and in the long run, it has completely washed away her successes and left her as a cautionary tale only. But no one ever seems to see anything wrong with this. Dominic certainly didn't. In fact, when criticism began rolling in about the film's exploitation, the director basically brushed them aside, saying it didn't matter how she was portrayed because she was already dead. But what about legacy? We are all concerned with how we will be remembered, and we all hope for respect from people who remember us after we're gone. But this isn't respect. This isn't a concern or an homage. Just because someone is gone, it doesn't mean you can just use them to tell whatever story you feel fits. The director also seemed to find it almost ridiculous that people wanted to see Marilyn in a more empowered light, in a light that didn't seem to glorify her exploitation and abuse. He said people wanted to reinvent Marilyn Monroe as an empowered woman, but he's missing the whole point. Marilyn already was an empowered woman. People have stripped her of that empowerment for decades. And this movie was just another example. This book it was based on was just another example. I didn't mean to. Yes, you meant to. It was your decision. There was one other aspect of the movie that people found, well, repulsive. At one point, Blonde portrays Marilyn Monroe getting two illegal abortions, both of which were against her will. During one of them, Marilyn has a discussion with the fetus where it asks her, you won't hurt me this time, will you? Obviously, this is disgusting in multiple ways. This is a woman who suffered from multiple miscarriages and a woman who wrote about feeling inadequate and unlovable for not being able to have a baby. Now, you're using that narrative to paint her as a monster, the exact thing she was terrified of. Also, talking to a fetus, like, really? It's hard to hear that and not immediately think that it was a scene added to portray an anti-abortion message meant to shame women for a decision that is already difficult enough and shunned by society, especially after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. No one even knows if Marilyn even had an abortion in her life. And now her image is being used to portray a terrifying message that just gives off the feeling that abortion is something people should inherently feel awful about. The scene personifies the fetus while dehumanizing Marilyn. And if that's not the literal definition of exploitation, then I don't know what is. Over the last few decades, Marilyn's story has been twisted, prodded, and exploited in more ways than anyone can even keep track of. Her trauma has been used to spread messages while her successes have been thrown in the trash, pushed to the side to be forgotten by many generations to come. At some point, it's time to leave her alone, and I say we are years past that point. Profiting off pain is always atrocious, and profiting off the dead just leaves a bad taste in my mouth, so can we please leave Marilyn alone? Let her rest, or tell her story right. It's not that hard. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm ending today's episode of Dark Dives. I hope you learned something new here today. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye. It is with great pleasure that I present this photoplay plaque to you, Miss Marilyn Monroe, in recognition of your sensational rise to stardom in 1952. On behalf of Photoplay Magazine, my congratulations. Uh, Greg, you have to realize, um... It's a great thrill, and I'm very appreciative to everything. Um, let's see. Let's see, I hope I'm finding happiness, right? Well, for me, uh, if I can realize certain things in my work, uh, 